Kia ora, New Zealand. Welcome to Sweet Chain Live. Uh, my name's Matt Drake. This is episode 38, uh, and we've got a great show for you today. I'm joined this evening by my co-host, Ben Powley. How Good evening, Ben. How are you doing? Good evening, Matt. I'm doing great. It's sunny. It's getting to summer, and there's going to be there's a few tournaments coming up. So, yeah, it's good times to be. Excellent. And we've managed to uh, avoid the Adelaide traffic this yeah. evening, and, uh, and, and we've all made it all safe and sound. Yeah, good old daylight savings time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Right, we've got a great show today. Um, we're going to go through the hot scores first up from around the country. Uh, then we're going to go through the uh, results of the Christchurch Fling, which uh, happened last weekend. Um, then we've got the winner of Christchurch Fling, um, Ashton Clark, um, who'll be joining us um, after that for a, um, a, a few uh, questions about um, the, his tournament win and uh, also Desert Island Disc Golf. Uh, then uh, Ben's got some um, talking points that um, he'd like to he'd like to bring up um, around uh, ratings and. Um, uh, what's the other point? Ratings and paywalls. So that'll be interesting. Uh, we've also got, um, I want to talk about upcoming events and a little summary of the New Zealand disc golf um, um, Zoom call, which occurred last week, um, last, uh, sorry, yesterday, last night. Um, so without further ado, we're going to kick off with the hot scores down south as ever. And it's in Invercargill that Barry Van Beek takes an 11 under par uh, to uh, take out the victory uh, down at Queen's Park Disc Golf Course in um, uh, the Deep South. Um, and it's Ray Meager at Chingford, um, six under par. Um, so well done to Ray. Uh, Queenstown Gardens, Peter McKay hits an 11 under round uh, to take it out, um, out at the Gardens this week. And up at Tucker Beach, it's Russell King with a two under par. Uh, across to Ely Point and two new names, Will Horsley and Alexander Bass Bassford hit four under par. Um, they'll be... Uh, very pleased with that, actually. That's uh, the new two new names to uh, to, to Sweet Chain Live. Uh, Lismore um, and Cooper Solis, um, not so new name, takes out an eleven under par as well. Across uh, to Christchurch, there are lots of people in Christchurch this week, and uh, Johnny Ferrari hits minus ten at Jelly Park. So well done to Johnny. And at Queens Park Reserve, Jasper Vandermeer and Patrick Caffel hit seven under par. Uh, a Brooker Ave, it's Ashton Clark who takes out uh, a six under par um, for this week's hot round. Ben, up in the North Island. Beautiful. Thanks, Matt. Uh, so starting off, we've got Flavio Mayorga hitting a minus four at Berhampur. At Hikoikoi, again, Flavio Mayorga, uh, along with Chris mm. Hoyston and our friends Jack Ryan and Brady Kutch all hitting minus two, solid scoring. Oh, again. Flavio Mayorga, minus four at Harcourt. He's just popping up everywhere. Uh, across at Lynn Laker, we've got Kyle hitting a minus five. Uh, Flexmere, Leon Krellin at minus five. And then uh, a familiar ultimate name of Nick Panu cropping up on Spa Park Red with a minus two. And also at McLaren, where Nick hit a minus one. Good stuff. Um, minus one at McLaren is no um, is, is 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 no bad score. It's a very good score actually. Um, and as we'll see um, when uh, the uh, extreme um, takes place there, uh, um, sort of early next month. Um, two PDGA leagues have been going on uh, this uh, past weekend. Uh, the Struggle Street Meltdown. Chris Dixon hits a nine seventy one rated nine under par. So well done to Chris. There's one more week left of the Meltdown. Um, and but if you're stuck for PDGA leagues in um, 
in in Queenstown, then no fear, because Morgan Hartfeld is organising another one. We've got a little bit more on that a little bit later. Um, and at Berenport, um, for the Berenport 200, uh, Brett Carlisle, Team Sweet Change, Brett Carlisle, and Andy Davey, um, both tie with a 9.51 free under par. Very blustery at Berenport. The difference, and this is an interesting point, which we'll come back to later on, Ben, there was a, there was a free stroke difference in the same rating rated round. Um, at Berenpool this week compared to last week. Interesting. So, interesting. Um, in the Ladies League in Wellington, uh, Liz Mocker once again takes it out with the win with a, um, amongst a field of 11 players. So well done to Liz. She shot a clean round minus one at Hikoikoi. Again, lovely conditions, but no mean feat to do that um, at Hikoikoi Reserve. So um, well done to um, we're now going to cross uh, to, uh, we're going to grab the results for the Christchurch Fling, which took place in um, across two courses, uh, QE2 and Burwood over the weekend, over the last uh, weekend, two rounds at each. Um, and in fifth place, Mikey Yu and Johnny Ferrari shared um, 19 under par, 20 under par was Levi Stout. Uh, John Hughes, um, a bit of a story there. We'll, we'll talk to Ashton a little bit about John um, in uh, in third place. Really good performance um, from John. Um, in uh, second was Stephen Reed. He's been playing some very good golf recently at 24 under par. And Ashton Clark taken out by a shot um, with 25 under par. Shout outs also um, to uh, John Hughes for hitting the highest rated round of the weekend with a 10-17 rated round. Um, in round three, um, and Stephen Reed hitting the highest rated round at Burwood with a 10.09 rated fourth round. So well done to him. Um, over on the FPO side, um, we have uh, Stephanie Stridham um, fought off a late charge from Minky Vorster to take out the win by one shot. She had five-shot lead going into the uh, final round. Um, sorry, six-shot lead going into the final round. Minky closed that gap to just one shot um, in the uh, in, in round four. So well done to her on that fight back. Um, and Amy Whitmore from, uh, from New Plymouth took out third place. So uh, well done to Amy. Um, now we're going to bring in um, the winner of um, the MPO division in uh, the Christchurch Fling, um, and that was Ashton Clark. So um, good evening, Ashton. G'day. Matt, Ben, how's How it going? Yeah, good, good, thanks. It's, uh, it's, it's good to see you, and, and congratulations on, uh, on taking out your victory um, yes. at the weekend. This is your first... Your first victory, hey? Your first, it is, uh, yeah, first tour victory, yeah. Well, very well done. Um, what I would say is that um, it's not it's not like it's a flash in the pan because if you look at your results, third place at Tucker Beach, third yep. place at the Charge, second place at the Rampage, then first place here. Yeah. So it's it's kind of been on the cards, right? It's been you've got that kind of Something trajectory. Like that. Yeah, I've I've been go playing a lot of golf recently, and it's kind of just stacking up and starting to give good results. So it's good to see. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel th that improvement and that kind of um, momentum during your practice uh, rounds as well as your yeah, definitely. Like I I had really good preparation for it because I had tournaments for previous weeks. Like I was up at obviously the Charteris Bay, I, I played quite well there, and then up in Nelson. So just getting like comfortable playing tournament rounds, I think, was pretty handy. Um, 
yeah yeah it was just feeling like nice and relaxed not like stressing out or anything so yeah definitely definitely played a part eh? how do you prepare on the day then so if that's your lead up to the tournament have you got like a pre pre-game pre Sorry, I, can, I just need to turn you up a little bit i think have you got like so that's how you prepare um mm -hmm. leading up to what's your like morning preparation routine morning preparation um i don't have anything specific that i do i just like to get up nice and early and get to the course as soon as possible just go um, uh, obviously we, it was a pop-up course so a lot of christchurch locals were there at uh, like seven in the morning dropping off disc mates and then helping move them around and set up and stuff like that mm -hmm. so just get on the course and get get comfortable have a good warm-up and then yeah get into it mm -hmm. yeah um, any... It was pretty. Sorry, sorry, Ben. Go on. I was gonna go. Sorry, I'm any... just gonna grab some headphones. I think it's um, I think my speakers might be cutting out a little bit. Okay. Whilst Ashton's doing that, Ben, it was an incredible um, to and fro as the uh, as 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 the weekend uh, went on, um, and I'm hoping Ashton can can hear me still. Um, it's uh, it was it, it was a Ashton. It was very to and fro the whole weekend. There was lots of um, there was lots of lead changes, and there was lots of changes, especially in that top five. That top five seemed to yeah. be very fluid the whole weekend, and in fact, there was only a few shots between um, fifth place and 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 yourself, and uh, indeed only one shot between you and second place. So, how does that play on your mind when you've got a four round tournament? Does I mean, yeah, what, what's so the mental game going on? I did check the scores um, halfway through the first round, just purely out of curiosity to see how the card was going. And mm. I was actually sitting and tied first at that place with, I think, six other guys. And then there was <laughs> a group of maybe seven or eight, one stroke behind us. And yeah. and it was just like, oh, this is definitely going to be a, a goodie because there's so many people in the chase. <laughs> and that was kind of just a little, um, I don't know, it almost fired us up a bit and kind of like, yeah, we're actually in this. Because I I don't think I was playing extremely hot or well at Ascot on the morning of the first day, but um ended up coming out in second by one stroke and just playing clean. So yeah, mm. were you aware of the scores going in along the fourth round? Because there was a oh, bit definitely. of definitely yeah, one hundred percent yeah. No, I was following that every hole for sure. Any you, you still... Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Any personal highlights from the talk from the from the um. Personal highlights. Uh, seeing Levi throw in on hole, I think it was 16 at Ascot for Ace was pretty incredible just because you can barely see the basket from the tee pad and it's such a massive spike, Kaiser. But yeah, that was definitely, definitely good to see. And Levi, yeah, I, I did have a lot of fun. Eh? It was a good weekend. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you, are you one of these guys who looks at the scorecard like after every hole that you play and kind of see the thing mm. or do you like to mm. not know and then it's like only maybe with a hole to go or, or, or i not would even say that? not normally usually i like to check maybe on the back nine of the final round but mm -hmm. um i don't know for some reason this time i was kind of just keeping tabs on it because it, the whole tournament to me kind of just i don't know i was feeling really relaxed the whole time wasn't really stressing out um and it didn't didn't really affect me i think because i did check so early on and i was kind of with it for the for the whole way just checking scores and seeing how everyone was going mm -hmm. um you had a good battle with john hughes the whole yes. the whole weekend yeah. <laughs> um you, you know john well yeah i played most of my um practice or casual rounds with john we started at a really similar time like we bought our first discs 
within probably a couple of weeks of each other about three years ago and started playing together. So it was good to see him up the top at a tournament, yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, he was uh, ranked 59th coming into the mm-hmm. I mean, into the tournament. So to see uh, his performance there, um, especially after the first round, a little bit of a surprise for me. It was a name that I've not yeah. um, not, not come across really um, before. And so um, seeing him play play so well and and giving you a challenge as well. As I was saying, it was a <laughs> it was a back and forth the whole yeah. the whole time. Uh, I was pretty stoked to see the scores and see him come out in the lead card as well because once I saw that, I knew that we were going to have an absolute blast and play because we play really well together we kind of Mm. um kind of play off each other's um kind of trying to put each other off almost and just um (laughs) i don't know we we just play well together so it was it was definitely good did you learn like um so it's like i guess everyone loves shooting a thousand rated rounds well people have told me they love shooting a thousand rated rounds one day (laughs) um but i'm I've, I've shot a few rounds where, let's phrase it, I've learned a lot of lessons. What's like some lessons that you've learned from your from this that you can take going forward? Um, probably for this specific tournament, the mental side of it, because I was so relaxed, it let me play so well, and I wasn't really dwelling mm. on like because there were a lot of bad shots in there, and it, it was kind of um, I was just so relaxed, I didn't really stress out about them and just move on straight away and. It obviously worked, so yeah. And and is that something that you were very deliberate about doing, um, or is it something that was just a result of the, you know, perhaps perfect weather conditions, yep. people that you knew well on the card, etc. Um, Def- definitely a, a big factor was the card mates because we were just having a lot of fun, and it, it wasn't really the sort of environment where you would want to kind of get angry about a shot. We were just all kind of <laughs> having a laugh the whole time, so yeah, mm. that's good. Yeah, I guess it, it's it's great if you've got if you've had an experience like that because it means that going into a tournament where that may not be the case, you might be playing with people you've not played before, um, or, or people who you, I mean, everybody plays with people they dislike occasionally, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, it it at least has given you that experience to be able to go. Okay, well now I'm just going to go. I'm just going to pra- go in with the mindset that I had. Definitely, um, yeah. Um, now, I, now that I know I'm capable of it, it's just a, a good reminder to just play your own game and and yeah, stick to the shots you know. Totally. How did you, how did you celebrate? First win, first tall win. Um, I was pretty tired, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was a big weekend. It was a bit of a slog, and it was pretty hot out there. And I don't really do too well in the sun, so. Kind of just had an early night. <laughs> went, went went for a few beers afterwards with some mates, but then straight home for a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've got um, there's Twizel in two weeks' time, or yep. rather just over a week's time, mm-hmm. I should say, um, which is the last tour event in the South Island for um, this year um, yep. in the 2021 season. Um, are you coming to any of the North Island? Um, I'll be at Faultline, and fantastic, I'm fantastic. planning on being at Nationals, but that, I've just seen that that's been moved. Oh, North Island, sorry, but that's been um, moved, so I'm not too sure what's happening with that, but I'm still planning on being there. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully. I haven't played any golf in the North Island before, so that'll be right. good to meet some new people and get some... I've, I've heard some things about the courses being a bit longer and tougher, but that'll that'll be good to see. Well, Faultline, um, it's not longer. But it's probably, okay. <laughs> I would say, than some of the ones down in down in Christchurch. The, um, the so yeah, yeah. And and I was going to say, what do you? What kind of course do you find suits your game? Um, 
Well, I, I'm a Jelly Park player, really. I play most of my golf there, so mm-hmm. I pretty much only throw putters and mid-ranges when I'm there. Um, so I kind of just enjoy throwing a straight mid, so anything with, like, straight tunnels or... Um, yeah, that's probably my favourite shot to throw, so just anything with tunnels. and But also if there's an opportunity to go over the top like there was at Burwood, pretty much mm-hmm. every hole we were just throwing spike hyzers, so, yeah. I don't know. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, it's 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 so good to hear that um, there's a new player who's uh, who's won a a tour event um, here in New Zealand. That's very good. Um, and um, we'll um, obviously see how you've um, climbed up the rankings um, a little bit later on. Sure. Um, we're going to move on to Desert Island Disc Golf. So, okay. Do you have your your uh, your discs with you now? I'll just remind I everybody uh, who hasn't who hasn't tuned in, in the past the premise of this. Um, Ashton is stranded on a desert island, um, and unfortunately, on this desert island, there is a disc golf course, um, and he's been stranded with three discs of his choice and three card mates of his choice. Um, so, Ashton, what are you throwing? What are your three discs? Okay, so they, these have probably actually changed since last weekend, or one of them has anyway. Um, I probably previously would have bought my Luster AVR3 with me, but I found that I didn't really throw it at all on the weekend. I was kind of leaning on my soft link for upshots. So I've decided to bring my XO hard links for my putters because mm-hmm. it's this pretty much the same as the soft one. I can use it for upshots and putting and everything. Um, since I, I changed to the links just before, just before Tucker's Beach this year, and that was probably okay. the best I've ever put at a tournament in my life mm-hmm. so um, what, did, what did you use beforehand i used discraft focuses which are i swapped oh, the yeah. links because it's pretty much this exact same profile the links are just a little bit flatter and the plastic's a bit more firm but um mm-hmm. apart from that it's a really similar disc the, the focus i find is quite deep or at least it is for my hand so, yeah, like, so I, you... I find them really similar um maybe that extra tiny bit of dome or curve to the top that it has makes it feel deeper but i think yeah i haven't noticed much difference in changing to them at all yeah but um they just feel good and they've been working so i'm taking my link for my putter good stuff Um, for my mid-range i've got a neo method um Mm -hmm. this is another one that is relatively new um because obviously i've swapped swapped out to mostly just mania bag um i like these because i can just throw it really hard because it's a bit more overstable than i used to throw buzzers um yeah but this i can actually crank on a lot more and trust that it's not going to die to the right um but if you want to release it on any it can still get that full drift to the right and finish kind of mm-hmm. flat on the ground um so yeah i've just been liking that for my mid-range shots it goes really what far would you, as well what would you compare it to um it's kind of like a i'd say from i used to throw majority disc craft so that's what i'll compare it to probably a similar to a wasp um because it's got a small bead and it's a slightly overstable mid so Mm -hmm. pretty similar maybe a bit straighter than a wasp it doesn't quite fly to the 503 that it says i don't think i think Mm -hmm. it's a bit straighter than that but i really love those um and then for my driver just a standard old s-line dd3 um as -hmm. soon as i changed over to these like the first time i threw this straight out of the, the beast um it was my longest ear shot I've ever thrown. At that point, it was my longest ear shot, first time touching the disc. So I was instantly hooked. Um, they're just you know, nice and reliable, nice, mm-hmm. nice stable finish. And yeah, 
got to have a driver with you because everyone likes to throw far. And does the stock stamp um, S-Line DD3 fly the same as the um, Cloud Breaker 2? I couldn't tell you. Um, I don't spend that much money on, <laughs> on, on discs. <laughs> so, yeah, um, these do just fine. I think they fly pretty similar from what I've seen. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I love them. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and your three card mates, who are you taking with you? My three card mates. First of all, I'm definitely having John Hughes on the card. Um, obviously, because I've said before, we, we play well together and we started playing this golf together. Um, just a really good mate. Um, definitely going to have Jeremy Brokenshire as well, another Christchurch mm -hmm. boy. Um, we just always have a good time when we play, like me, him, and John as well. So that, that would be good. And another one, uh, Zach Thompson. Uh, or Mohawk, a lot of you will probably know him as. Um, mm -hmm. We just have a blast every time I go down to Jelly Park and I'll see him on the other side of the field. We'll just like give a big wave and then we'll meet up and just play around and throw. Usually we don't score when we play together, which I really enjoy, mm -hmm. and we just throw fun shots. And <laughs> yeah, it's just always a really good time. So that, that's my Fantastic. three. Fantastic. Good stuff. Um, Thank you very much for that. That's that's, that's great insight um, into into what you're throwing and you like to play with your mates. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Right, we've got our quick fire round now to get to know you a oh, little bit right. more. Um, ben <laughs> has the front, the family friendly front nine. Same questions every week, and uh, cool. I've got the safari back nine, uh, which changes every week. So, All Ben, right. do you want to take us through? It's like Matt doesn't trust me to come up with a back nine. <laughs> um, next week, next week, it's on oh. you. <laughs> I'll have to put a disclaimer. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Uh, your name? Ashton. Place of birth? Nelson, New Zealand. Where do you live? Uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, your PDGA number? 134895. Uh, years playing? Three. Favorite disc? Oh, um, I'm going to go Link at the moment. Nice. Staying loyal. Favorite course. Favorite course. Jelly Park. <laughs> Favorite MPO player. Adam Hemmies. Favorite FPO player. Kristen Tatar. Nice. Good cool. stuff. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, as you know, it's this or that. There's no right answer. It's quick fire. Here we go. All Forehand right. or I'll backhand? Best. Backhand. Heiser or Anheuser? Anheuser? Nelson or Christchurch? Christchurch. <laughs> Queen's Park or Brooker Ave? Brooker Ave. Thousand rated round or win the tourney? Win the tourney. Lakers or Clippers? Clippers. Evolution or original? Oh, evolution. Eagle or Simon? Simon. Mutant or Tilt? Mutant. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ashton, and, um, and many congratulations once again on taking out the Tour Victory. We'll be cool. you're playing at Twizel. Thank you. I am, yes. I'll see, see you around there. Excellent. We will uh, we will be following your results um, at Twizel very closely. It's uh, shaping up to be okay. a very competitive <laughs> tournament, so uh, yeah, we look forward like to that one. with a about 200 players as well, which is great. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we'll see you. I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. And yeah, we'll see cool. You thanks, thanks for having me. All good. Cheers, Cheers Ashton. 
Excellent stuff. So um, that was uh, Ashton Clark. Um, incredible performance uh, over the weekend, grinding it out for four rounds um, in Christchurch. So uh, so very good. Um, now, Ben, we've what's uh, what, what have you got for us this week? Um, for this week, so I've been sitting around. Not much, not many tournaments happening in Australia um, due to borders being shut. But there's a few popping up around now in Europe's popping up. I see a few um, of my friends' scores across in New Zealand, and a few of them come from an ultimate background similar to me. And so I'm looking at their scores, going, "Hang on, you weren't actually that great a thrower in ultimate. I'm sure I'm better than you, but somehow yeah. you're scoring these incredibly rated rounds." And I guess um, someone reads me new to this um, to the sport, such as myself, is like, "How comparable is?" somebody shooting say like a 975 on in europe mm -hmm. on a course that i perceive to be easy compared to like say a 935 in australia is it down to um higher rated overrated players in one part of the world and underrated players in other parts of the world and how do i compare myself across divisions across geographical boundaries without actually going there and playing them mm. Mm. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one because the I'm um, the the purpose. I know I know a little bit of the background of the ratings on this, so I'll I'll go for a little bit about um, what I know anyway, or at least what I think I know about um, PDGA ratings. Um, the uh, the the ratings are intended to be a an objective measure of how good you are as a disc golfer, um, and like irrelevant of where you play. Irrelevant of who you play against, and irrelevant of the um, uh, courses that you play, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, the, and the way it works is it it takes, um, and I think I think this is I think this is right. Every time you play a, a sanctioned round, mm -hmm. it takes the scores of what are called propagators, um, and looks at the scores that the propagators made on a particular round at a particular course and it's a round by round basis right so if you, yeah. if you different rounds it, is, it could be could be rated differently we, we talked about that briefly i'll cover it again um at baron paul last weekend um and it looks at what scores they got kind of averages it up it's not a it's not a public formula that the pdga have kind of published on this so it's it's not mm -hmm. something that we can kind of go oh yeah now that's that's this is how it works and this is how it's going to affect it um it goes into kind of the black box if you like um and it combines it with course distance right so the the total mm -hmm. distance of the course has a is a factor um in working out the the, the rating from from what i can see um and then it spits out a score to calculate the what the scratch score would be for a thousand rated player, right? So, um, and at the same time, it works out what's the ratings points difference for each stroke, higher or lower than that thousand rated player, right? Yeah. Um, in order to be a propagator, I think you have to have had eight scored. Um, PDJ sanctioned rounds. So if you if you haven't played eight rounds, you're not a propagator, and therefore your rating doesn't get included in the big sum that's used to then calculate. But I believe that you can get a rating based on just three propagators. So as long as you've got three people in your 
event who are PDGA approved um, or PDGA propagators, sorry, so who have played eight or more rounds, then they are capable of creating the scratch score for a thousand rated player and the difference in um, in, in in points per stroke for, for that for that. So it, it, the idea being that it takes into account conditions on the day. So if yeah. it's a if it's if it's a um, if it's a massive headwind or, or well a massive wind or torrential rain, um, then that will be that will be one. Uh, that will be that will have an have a factor, um, but also what you find is that um, the higher rated, it's it's easier. I might get shot for this, but it's easier to get a higher rating when there are higher rated players playing in the competition, right? And the yeah. and the reason for that is that there is kind of a cap on how well you can score around, right? So, for example. Um, if you took somewhere like, uh, let's take Berenpore, right? Where a scratch round at Berenpore on a, a relatively calm day, but not, I'd say a middling day, right? Which was probably the first week of the league. So not last week, week before. A 900 rated round um, was even par. So 10 under was about 1,000 rated. Now there's a kind of a limit, right? You're never going to get, even if Paul Macbeth shows up, He's going to really, really, act, he's going to really struggle to shoot more than about 15 or 16 under, right? Mm -hmm. Even on a good day, right? And that's the same as any other of the, of the of the best players, right? They're going to really struggle. And that's the same with any other course you go to. And in fact, for a lot of courses, there's a hard limit at 18 under par, right? You're just not going to find that there's people shooting 18 under par. So what, what that means is that... Um, if you've got a course that's that offers that's harder for the top end players, then you've got a better chance of having a a, a higher rating, right? Yeah. Um, so, but it, it goes into kind of a big PDGA black box that we don't get to see inside. Um, well, so what it could be for the for the players that you're talking about is that there could be a few reasons. One, they could be playing on like um, super long courses. They mm. could be playing on uh, with players who are very very good. Who played very badly on the day, right? You imagine if Paul Macbeth shows up to our next to, to Twizel uh, in in a couple of weeks' time, and I don't know what the pass score, uh, what the scratch score at Twizel will be. Probably, um, I, I, I don't know. It will be it will be in the double digits under par. But comes in and shoots par, then everyone's going to be what you know, rubbing their hands, going, "Great, this is look, this is going to look great for me, right?" Um, it probably need more than one player to make that difference, but you get the idea, right? If 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 a whole bunch of pros came over and made rubbish, then that's going to have a more positive effect on everybody else. Um, or they're playing really good disc golf. That's the other thing, right? <laughs> they could just be playing very good disc golf. Um, and although you know there are people who can throw an ultra star very well and don't throw a golf disc very well, um, there's probably people the other way around. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it could be that, but yeah, um, that's what I know of, of ratings. Um, the example at Berenpore that we had last weekend, um, we played in uh, an even round was 905 rated. And then I shot three over par last Sunday and that was 901 rated. Mm. So real big difference. And the, and the, and the difference was about a 30 K wind. Right, um, that 
that that made made the difference to everybody. I mean, the hot score was five under instead of six under. Many of the players shot worse than they did the previous week. I don't think anybody. Sh- uh, Brett Carlisle shot better than they did the week before, but not many other players did. Um, and that has an effect then on 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 what the rating is going to be. So I think that's how the ratings work. If there's any people who know it better than me um, in the comments who have any other thoughts that um, that they're able to um, boil down into a, into comment comment sized um, piece. Does that make sense? And uh, it, it does um, is there any questions from that? Because I'm like I, I think that's right. Does that sound right to you? That sounds like yeah. I think from what I from what I know, that sounds about right. Because I know we use a lot of metrics in Australia, and metrics has a separate course rating. And so, if the course mm. rating is easier, it's harder to score higher. But um, I wasn't aware of the PDGA distance impacting. I just thought it was all down to like propagators, and mm. um, I've definitely been on the benefit of a few po- propagator collapses. But um, that must explain why my scores are so terrible on really easy courses. But I can just unfold a one thirty throw and I'm all good. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. Um, yeah, I'd love to see inside that black box to see how. Well, like, I, you're not the only one. There's there's lots of <laughs> lots of people who who would. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's interesting to it's it's you. I mean, some people care about ratings. Some people don't. It's not going to win you a tournament having a high rating, um, but it's 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 meant to be there as an objective indicator of how good you are as a disc golfer, and that allows you to compare yourself to other players around the world. Um, uh, at at a glance, without having to, as you say, travel across the world to play them. Um, yeah, so just another another bag tag, an international bag tag of bragging. Is it, uh, pretty much, it pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much an international bag tag. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. What are, what else have we got? Uh, the other one was about what's happening at the moment with disc golf being hidden behind paywalls and. Um, What's is still in my eyes, and yeah, there's always going to be differing opinions. But this is a very amateur sport. But hiding behind paywalls right now, I get it. It's a form of pulling in revenue. But is it being counterproductive to um, growing the sport, which seems to be everybody's kind of sl- catchy slogan right now? And it, they're doing Hashtag fantastic sports. Yeah. Grow the sport. Um, but what Jomez is doing and Gatekeeper and doing and um, Flexline Media are doing, yes, I, do, I watch, a lot of us watch, um, they're making it accessible to everybody. It's getting onto ESPN sports centers, but by hiding what we what is being classed as the professional, the premier um, product behind a paywall is you can't get random people stumbling upon YouTube who are... Mm a lot of the random as we bump into the courses these days. So I was just keen to kind of, what's your thoughts on this? Where do you stand? Are mm. you for pushing the professionalism and generating the revenue that way or keeping it open, which a lot of things do, and then generating it through advertisements and product placements and that kind of stuff? Um, okay, so I think that there's two there's two. Um, there's there's lots going on in disc golf, right? Um, and it's not like any one organization needs to or should feel compelled to try and satisfy everybody. And I think what Disc Golf Network 
have done is they've kind of said our focus is the pros and our focus is the top end of the game the elite level of the game our focus isn't going to be on hashtag grow the sport mm -hmm. by being directly active in grassroots disc golf right and i think it's okay to do that right i think it's okay to do that um and one way that they're doing this is they're putting a paywall um to uh behind in front of usdgc and the fro pink women's um uh, uswdgc i guess yeah. um and charging i think it works out about 29 new zealand dollars if you've got a disc golf network subscription yeah. to sign up for um the coverage and you get live coverage of each of the rounds for the three four days um plus post-produced coverage um the day after i believe and then a bunch of other like press conferences and all that kind of gump as well um personally i don't mind it i i think it's uh i i think it's i think it's a it's a fair thing to do and if you look at many other sports that's what they do um uh ufc is an example all that's behind a paywall um many other sports are behind paywalls if they're not event specific they're subscription based right so you've got to subscribe to espn or whatever to yeah. um to be able to to be able to get it um and where you say that disc golf is an amateur sport yet you're right for the vast majority of people it mm. is an amateur sport and i'm even counting people who uh earn money from playing disc golf in new zealand for example for finishing yeah. in for winning tournaments and, and placing in tournaments right Mo you can't really um you can't really earn a living from playing new zealand disc golf currently yeah. um and so that is um so I'm, I'm kind of still counting that as amateur right people aren't making their living from it they're, they're probably uh, yeah. other jobs. so I'm I, 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 pro amateur is still not professional yeah until yeah. you make your living yeah yeah so I, I i think that that's i think that it's that it that it's fine to to do that and 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 the proof's in the pudding right it's a it's a it's a it's a free market and if people don't want it they won't buy it and if really? that means that they get no subscriptions um and they've had to put all this kind of um cam camera work and 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 invest the money that it takes to be able to put a live coverage on as well as everything else and they don't get the the the, the money back then well that kind of tells you what what the market thinks of it um yeah. however if the market says no it's all right you know there's a group of us that are willing to pay for that for that mm. um for, for, for that function then 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 let it happen i i, I think that it's it, it's fine too because it's not it, its primary goal isn't hashtag grow the sport it's mm. not the um and what you noticed actually is that at worlds where which was also behind a paywall they um the last round was for free on youtube so anyone could watch it and there was one particular shot that was that was amazing that um that everybody saw that was alive on youtube that um may have been featured on a disc um uh, and uh, it, you know that that's the kind of thing that gets people noticed and that gets featured on sports center etc because of the impact of the of the timing of it um 
So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's interesting. I think that it would be a bit daft for anybody in New Zealand or Australia to offer kind of a, a paywall uh, uh, over a tournament. Um, but in the states where they've where they're playing the elite level in the world and they're able to um, they're able to leverage some of the um, popularity um, around it. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I'm I'm for it. So presumably you haven't subscribed. Um, I'm not yet. I think there's going to be a a few shared passwords around and about, but um, <laughs> I guess yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I think there's it's going to be a fine balance between getting the right. I think a standard has been set, and they need to mm -hmm. um, get a, the right commentary team, knowledgeable but also engaging. And then I'm mm -hmm. excited for these the thrills, of, like the the glitter of it all. Like I quite enjoyed the introduction of player profiles. I Mm -hmm. um, the ch small talk, the trash talk of the match play. I decided which players I actually like appreciate a lot more now, or you get to know them a bit better. And which players I'm like, yeah. I'm you're you're a plank of wood. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of so what happens with this in other sports from where there's going to be a lot of moaning, a lot of groaning, and a lot of credit cards being typed in online, and then we'll get more moaning or groaning or a lot of you know what it was okay. I'm excited mm -hmm. to see how it goes and. If it puts money into the sport and the athletes' pockets and makes it makes them actually professional, then great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's it. And if you if you look at the live coverage alone, the live coverage probably lasts for about if you class both rounds about six hours um, yeah. for four days, and you're paying twenty nine dollars, so it's just over a dollar a day. Uh, I'm I'm not a dollar an hour. Sorry, I'm I'm not sure that's too bad uh, in terms of the amount of coverage you get. Yeah, okay, people probably aren't going to watch all of it, but. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't think it's astronomical. It's not like it's you know, fifty yep. to hundred bucks. I think if it was if it was any kind of more than more than that, anything more than about that, I I would have, uh, yeah, I'd have a problem with that. But um, otherwise, it's the classic. Uh, Costs you less than a cup of coffee. Oh, indeed. <laughs> some fancy areas. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, I have subscribed, so uh, so I shall be watching what I can over the weekend and uh, and 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 during the other rounds. So yeah, um, uh, yeah, because I think it's just entertaining, and I don't mind paying that that amount to 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 do it. So you never know. I might share the uh, password on our Discord um, a little bit later. <laughs> um, no one caught that on record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Right. Um, we had a couple of other um things happening over the last couple of weeks here in New Zealand. So um uh yesterday there was a Zoom call uh with uh with the New Zealand Disc Golf Board, uh, which happened. Um I say the New Zealand Disc Golf Board. Um it was a third of the New, Dis New Zealand Disc Golf Board. So Alan and Roberts were there to answer questions and go through the new tour policy. Um I, I was a little bit disappointed that there was only two people um, of, the, of the of the six present, um, and I was also disappointed that um, there was only there was a very small number of people who attended the Zoom call. Um, I think that's probably an indication of the level of engagement New Zealand Disc Golf Board have with New Zealand disc golfers, um, more so than the apathy, the average apathy of New Zealand disc golfers. Um, but hey ho! Um, next week we have Roberts Crestins on the on the uh, on the show to talk to us about the tour policy and uh, various other things. Um, so the uh, tour director for New Zealand Disc Golf will be joining us next week, which is uh, which is really good. Uh, and if there's any um, uh, if there was any um, 
if there's anybody who's got any questions uh, for Roberts, then, um, then that will be a good thing to ask. Um, in answer to Bray's question there, there was no outreach um, or communications directors present at the uh, at the board meeting, which I thought was particularly disappointing given that it was a communications exercise. Um, but hey-ho, it is what it is. Um, that's it. So... Um, Next up, I want to come to the um, the rankings following um, the week we've just uh, the event we've just had. First up, we're going to go through some upcoming events. Um, now, the first event that you'll see um, coming up is any given Monday, which is a league a PGA sanctioned league being run in Queenstown by Morgan Hartfell. So, uh, if you want to get involved there morgan um if you can hear me and you're on the chat what course are you playing at i couldn't quite grab it from the pga site and i didn't ask you prior to the call so apologies if you're there if anybody knows what course it's at then that would be good i presume it's on a monday night 11th of october kicking off for um struggle street oh it's a struggle street lovely stuff so that'll be the renewal of uh, the struggle street um similar to struggle street meltdown but on a monday night so uh so if you can make it up there um where else indeed um then then please then please do that's going to be good fun um it's the final week for struggle street this week so um, um so it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top uh the following weekend is moonbase 7 in twizel there's heaps of pairs of players playing for that um, so that's going to be a really good one to look out for and um, we'll be following it if you're in the capital then heises on that weekend um the um in on the 3rd of november so uh, the the tournament the north island champs has been postponed until uh january wellington anniversary day if uh, 22nd of, of january been postponed to um due to covid restrictions and covid uncertainty around the uh um uh Auckland area um so that's been postponed so the after that is the Wellington midweek spring league the um registration is open for that league if you're keen to play some midweek sanctioned disc golf in the lovely Harcourt Park then uh register yourself on that form it's doing the rounds it's in chats and forums and Facebooks and stuff if you're not sure still where it is just message me and I'll send you a link um the week after Todonga Extreme um it's gonna again another big tournament I hope that the Auckland guys can make it out of Auckland to that tournament because uh that will be that could be quite an important tournament um when it comes to the New Zealand tour the 2021 tour um with uh really this this three people who can who can win it two people um realistically probably we'll cover a little bit more of that a bit close to the time then there's the bros for change charity classic uh which is going to be held in christchurch on the 13th of november fault line the weekend after wahitapu the weekend after that and match play the weekend after that in december um crossing across to the rating to the sweet chain rankings now we covered this last week if you if you didn't join us last week, it's uh, it's maybe worth a rewatch last week if you if you if you uh, if you want to episode thirty seven where we go through Sweet Chain uh, rankings, which is which ranks um, the current New Zealand players and acts as a, a predictor for future events based more so on recency than PGA ratings and and and, and calculated slightly differently based on the UDISC World Rankings, but. Um, New Zealand um, and in the ladies division uh, we have uh, movements from Stephanie Strydon who moves up three spaces to ninth um, at the expense of Nicola Zara and Linger and Minky Vorster moves up three spaces to 13th as well 
And over in the um, MPO side, we can see that Ashton Clark moves up seven spots from 11 to fourth. And the biggest mover was John Hughes, who moves from 59th up to 12th following this week's uh, last weekend's um, uh, antics. And Stephen Reed, who came in second, moves up 17 places up to 10th place as well. Um, and so that's the um, that's the, the the rankings following um, uh, the fling. The next event that will that, that will have updated rankings for is Twizel. Um, quick question from um, Morgan. Genuine question. I'm skim read about new tour dates. Twizel last event in 2020 on tour. It's the last South Island event in the 2021 tour. Um, the remaining events after Twizel are McLaren, Faultline, and uh that's it ah oh, unless i'm missing wahitapu i am missing wahitapu my apologies um yes so you've got um twizel which is a tour event you've got fault line which is a tour event um and then the other um Yes, 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 yes. I missed it. I'm apologizing. Um, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so Wahitapu is the is the uh, is the <laughs> is the uh, is 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 the last event uh, of the New Zealand tour. Um, now that um, um, in the North or South Island. Um, lovely stuff. Right. Um, that's it from us this week. Um, thank you very much, Ben, for joining us um, for another week. You've got the um, Safari back nine next week for um, Roberts. So look forward to that. Um, and I'll let you do your research on him in the coming week. Um, for everybody else, um, have a great weekend um, playing whatever disc golf you're playing. Um, Best of luck to everybody playing Baron Paul 200 this weekend um, and Ladies League Meet Tuesday. And we'll see you um, next Thursday live at nine. So uh, from, from Ben in Adelaide and myself, have a great evening. Stay safe. See you next time. Cheers. Yeah.